Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer. Welcome to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. I was a corporate flight attendant for six years, and I tell you the brutal, honest truth of this industry. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating and review. It takes less than a minute of your time. And these five-star ratings and reviews are like gold to me, as I always say. Also, please subscribe because it helps with the algorithm, and then any new episodes will come up on your podcast player automatically. Today, we have Tom, a corporate pilot of over 36 years, including being an aviation manager for over 20 years. Currently, he is a director of aviation at a major corporation. Welcome, Tom. We are so happy to have you here today because the listeners love a good guest and you are a great guest and you have such a fascinating background. You started your flying career in crop dusting and crop dusting are those pilots that have those small planes that you guys spread chemicals on our food. So <laughs> thank you very much. You started there and then you made a big step up into corporate aviation. So we'd love to hear how you started in crop dusting and then moved into corporate aviation. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. I grew up on a ranch in Wyoming watching crop dusters spray our fields. I was completely fascinated with that, and I knew that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I got a degree in biology. I started crop dusting, loved crop dusting. The person who taught me crop dusting was probably 76 years old. The biggest advice he gave me was, now that I've taught you how to crop dust, go get all your ratings be ready when the door opens and get out of crop dusting as soon as you can. This is not going to be a sustainable career for you. That was the best advice he ever gave me. So I would crop dust in the summer. In the winter, I would flight instruct, work on all my ratings. And I got to know the chief pilot of the company that had the only jet on the airfield where I was crop dusting. I just finished all my ratings the last rating I had was a multi-engine rating. It was $4,000 to get my multi-engine rating, my multi-engine instructor. The flight school where I was at, they let me sleep on the couch, and I could take all of my flight instructor money and pay to get those ratings completed. I spent over a year sleeping on the couch at the flight school. From there, I had met the chief pilot at the company that had the only jet, and he came from crop dusting. That was probably my in into corporate aviation. So I started out flying jets with him. I also started with night freight, flying uh, Lear jets out of Boise, Idaho. We flew from Boise to Denver every night hauling freight. Things like checks, bank checks, mushrooms for Albertsons was a big thing back then. I slept at the airport at Denver at night, but... That was Monday night through Friday night. Saturday and Sunday night, I lived in my car in Boise. And I did night freight for almost a year, trying to get my hours up, trying to get ready for corporate, get the experience flying jets, flying multi-engine airplanes. From there, I got once I got into corporate, I was with the first company for over 20 years. My goal then was to become management. Uh, you make more money as the management in corporate aviation. So I started working on my management career by getting prepared for the certified aviation manager, 
accreditation that MBAA has. It was about 10 years of studying and taking classes, whatever it needed to get ready to take the exam for the uh, aviation accreditation, which it tests you on all aspects of a flight department from HR, hiring, firing, managing people, managing budgets, taking care of the hangar, all aspects of the flight department. So from there, I was able to move to chief pilot. The current company I'm at, I started as chief pilot. I was chief pilot for over two years before I moved to director of aviation. When I started, I didn't know I was going to become the director of aviation. It just happened that they were basically interviewing me while I was being the chief pilot. And chief pilot duties are taking care of the crews, taking care of the airplane, overseeing maintenance, overseeing the documentation of the airplane, and that helps prepare you for becoming a director of aviation. Once I moved to director of aviation, now you're the liaison between the aviation department and corporate. Corporate reports, budgets, buying airplanes, selling airplanes, managing all aspects of the flight department. I've been a director of aviation for almost four years, and that's been very rewarding for me. So I do enjoy doing that. Okay, thank you. That was such a success story to go as <laughs> from small-time crop dusting to now director of aviation in a major corporation in a major hub. I think that is one of the best success stories I have heard of in corporate aviation. So kudos to you, Tom. That's that's amazing. I just wanted to clarify for our listeners because they don't know terms sometimes that night freight is like DHL. It's like FedEx. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Sometimes we would do Salt Lake. I remember I remember flying into Salt Lake and they wanted us to spend the night. I slept on tractor tires above the maintenance in their attic, I guess. At least you got you didn't have to sleep in the airplane and the company wouldn't pay for hotels. So whatever it takes to get the hours in to get ready to move up in your career. So yeah, that's a very important point is that pilots, a lot of times the listeners don't know, and I, I didn't know until I was in the industry, but they start out in night freight so they can amass the hours so they can move to a better job. So basically that's why a lot of people do night freight. So is that's correct. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. So let's start talking about flight attendants while you're here. <laughs> uh, so as a director of aviation, you now hire and manage corporate flight attendants, both full-timers and contractors. So I love for you to tell us, if you could just tell us one thing that sticks out in your mind, what makes a great FA? A great flight attendant, I think, is somebody who can read people, has great people skills. If you have a background in restaurant or dealing with rich people, being on yachts, I guess, or the country club, that kind of thing, anything related to helping people out that goes a long way because in an airplane you're going to be with the uh, ceos or the owners one-on-one uh, -on -one, and being able to read the owners or, or the executive how they're feeling today don't talk too much don't talk unless you're talked to that kind of thing you really do need people skills to to fit in the executive could be in a bad mood he just doesn't answer your questions. 
you would get it if you if you came from a people skill background. So that's probably the, the one of the most important things to have. Yeah, I could not agree more. I talk about it in my book about emotional intelligence, right? So you have to be able to as you were saying, read people's body language, read people's energy, essentially, and deal with the fact that, you know what, that executive may come on and be in a good mood. And five minutes later, they got a bad phone call. (laughs) I'm going to be in a bad mood. And you have to deal with that. And you have to take that and make sure that you don't take it personally. And April, she was our experienced flight attendant who spoke with us. And she said the same thing. She said, you just can't take it personally. And you have to learn, okay, if this person does not want a hot towel, don't keep asking them. They don't want a hot towel. Now with pilots, I think it's important too to have those people skills in general, because for example, you don't want to bother pilots during takeoff or during landing. So you have to know to not do that. To not, to, if you have a question, don't save it for those times. You have to know, okay, I'll ask them when do they want to be served lunch? Maybe they don't want to be served lunch for a half an hour after takeoff or 45 minutes because maybe it's a really advanced or complex takeoff somehow and they just need that time. So as long as I think you communicate with the pilots in that way and you can read them a little bit, I think that helps too, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. We have a couple of flight attendants right now full time that one of them is like, she's like a mother hen and she kind of, she knows every each person in the department she works very well with them. She's the kind who she'll have your water with ice and lemon and the little green leaves and mint leaves on it, and she'll just put it there and have it ready. And another flight attendant, she's just as good, very well organized. She makes her job look easy. She's not that way, but she will get anything that you ask for. She just doesn't read your mind, and she's not, she's not that way. So the, there's two different types of personalities that they have, but both of them are good. Uh, they're just different. They do an excellent job, just in a different way. So can you tell us how a flight attendant can impress you in an interview? When they walk into that interview, how can they impress you? Uh, everybody has their interview face on when they come in, and they're, they're trying to tell you what you want to hear. They're nervous, that kind of thing. What I do is I will check with the people that you interact with first. If you come to the gate or like our airport has a gate and a guard shack and if you interact with that guard person or you walk into an FBO and you, you're trying to find your way around, what I do is go interview the guy at the guard shack because I may know him, you may be a friend of mine. I'll talk to the person at the FBO who you talk to. A good example is candidate came into my office and she went to the main office first and she met our office manager and the scheduler and she was waiting to interview with me. She thought she had the job all sewn up. What she didn't know is that I met with the department manager and the scheduler after she left and they both told me that she was rude and (laughs) that uh, she didn't smile, she didn't talk to him. She thought that she was only there to interview me. And actually, the interview was not with me at all. The interview was with everyone else. Uh, If you interact with the the maintenance person, I'll go talk to the maintenance person. If you interact with anybody, 
as you walk on to the airport, that's who I interview. That's who I'll go and ask because that's really your true colors comes out when you don't even know it. That's a good way to do it. That is a sneaky strategy and I like it. <laughs> that's a really good strategy, Tom. I, wow. I didn't even think of that. That's a good point. You, you know, you have to be authentic and you have to be nice to everyone. And I think you brought up a really good point that I've never talked about before. You're interviewing with everyone, especially if you're going into an office. You're interviewing with that person who cleans the floor. You're interviewing with the person who is the dispatcher and the person who's the scheduler and the person who runs the office. And let me tell you something, especially with dispatchers, if they don't like you, oh my God, you're done. <laughs> let me tell you that. And mechanics too. I would say that too. So, do you have a disastrous F.A. story? I'm dying to hear one. Yeah, sure. In the past year, just started using contract flight attendants. We had part-time before, but now we're using contract flight attendants. So when we need one, they'll provide a flight attendant for us. And this particular flight attendant, uh, we met the night before. We were both staying at a hotel close to the airport. We got to the hotel she went straight to her room. The next morning, I got up. I had my car ready 10 minutes before showtime, and she didn't show up. At the showtime, she still wasn't there. So I texted her, and she said, oh, I'm, I need to iron my dress, and I still haven't put my makeup on, and I need my cup of coffee yet. So I waited another 10 minutes, and she finally showed up. She had to go get her Starbucks. And as we were driving to the airport, she's putting on her eye makeup and talking and talking nonstop. She had no clue, I guess, that I was the director of aviation. So we get on the plane, and mind you, she was already briefed on the airplane the day before on how things work, the microwave. We have an issue with our microwave, and you can't run it any longer than 30 seconds. And the first time she put anything in it, she ran it for five minutes, overheated it, and couldn't use it for the rest, rest of the trip. And there was five passengers that needed, like, steaks and things heated up, and um, she had to use the oven. And she kept coming up to the cockpit asking where things were. And when I talked to the full-time flight attendant after the trip, she said that she explained everything to her, and she just couldn't figure things out. One of the things was just heating water. We have a, a pot that heats water. And you just plug it in. But she couldn't figure out how to pull the cord out of the base of the water heater. And she was <laughs> holding it up in the air trying to heat the water. All she had to do was pull the cord out and just plug it in. And she had no, no clue how the thing worked. And when I talked to the passengers later, I had to apologize to the passengers because it was just a horrendous trip. She was not organized. She didn't know what she was doing. And she said she had years and years of charter experience. Well, um, after the trip, I called our full-time flight attendant, and they said she was texting her during the trip. She couldn't find anything. She needed help with everything. She needed help ordering the catering. The catering order was given to her, and she contacted the full-time flight attendant and asked her to order the catering for her, even though the full-time flight attendant's on vacation. So... She's bothering the flight attendant, and it was just, it was an absolute disaster trip. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to laugh, but you have literally reiterated 
everything I have told the listeners not to do. Bothering the pilots, bothering the flight attendants when it should be their day off or, or you know, their week off or, or whatever. Not being organized. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, not listening to instructions. I always say go on to the plane and if it's a new jet to you, then what you need to do is you need to open all the drawers and see where things are. Bothering the pilots in the cockpit when they should be only focused on flying the plane, especially during takeoff and landing. Arriving late (laughs) to the pickup in the morning and the weird part, doing makeup, her makeup in front of you and the whole, I mean, it just sounds bizarre and I don't know. There's not much more to say. So I thank you for pointing out this real life example that I'm not exaggerating that this can happen. And it does happen sometimes. And you absolutely cannot act this way. You have to be professional from the moment you step into that FBO terminal, the moment you drive into that guard shack, as you were saying, you have to be professional on the road, on the trip, everything. Okay, so I know that we are limited for time here because Tom is a very busy director of aviation. So I just want to ask one more question. Do you have a tip for aspiring or new FAs who would like to get started in the industry? Yeah, like I was getting prepared for my career in aviation too, uh, building hours, what the the old man who taught me crop dusting was be ready to go when the door opens so have your training done i think jennifer had mentioned before in her book or podcast about when you go into training be careful because i'll interview those people too that you your instructors and that kind of thing to find out how well you do always be early be professional dress professional act professional because you never know who's watching and you're basically being interviewed all the time. And it helps when you're trying to move up the ladder, if you're trying to get from charter to corporate, uh, wherever you're going, whatever your goal is, you need to be prepared for the next step. Being uh, part of the crew, being easygoing, you need to leave an impression that you're the type of person that can get along with anybody, anywhere. Because if you are trying to get another job, or go from charter to corporate, we will ask how things were at the charter. We'll, we'll try to find somebody that we that uh, knows the person or knows the charter company. It's a huge deal that you try to act professional at all times. Be ready when that door opens. It's going to hit at a time that's probably going to surprise you. And if you're always ready for it, you're always ready to go. Great, solid advice. Be ready when the door opens. I cannot say that enough. Right place, right time. Absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for being here today. This was a wealth of information. I just want to ask you one more quick question before you have to run off. And that is, I know that you actually read my book, uh, the Corporate Flight Attendant book. And as a pilot, as a corporate pilot for 36 years, I wanted to know your thoughts on it and if you thought it was realistic or not. And I just want to get your thoughts. Yeah. As I was reading the book, I was trying to figure out what you missed. Absolutely. Every aspect of being a flight attendant was covered in that book. It was very well done. It was very complete, very thorough. The examples were real, pretty amazing that that actually goes on some of those, the stories that you talk about. So I can definitely relate and you did a great job with the book. 
Thank you so much. This is from a corporate pilot's mouth that the book is something that you should read. So take a look at the show notes and you will see a link to the book. The book has been revised for 2023. I put in a new chapter on interview cover letter resume. I also have expanded a day in the life and the corporate flight attendant list bundles are now in the book. For those of you who have bought the book in the past and would like an upgrade for free, definitely listen to the episode prior to this one to learn how to do that. I'm happy to do that for you. Until next time. Happy flying.